Burke too. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. Today we are going to be doing personal identity and fitness part two. James, yeah, sorry I didn't jump the gun there. It is part two, right? Yes, it is part yeah. two. No, yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, are you living okay. a larger life? I am living a larger life at this very moment. This moment, I'm living a larger life. Um, it's large. Like Donald Trump would say, it's large. Yeah. It's large. It's huge. It's, it's, well, it's gigantic. It's enormous. I was going to say huge, but it's just large. It's I just wanted that tone. How it's big large. is it? It's so large. So large. It is large. That's my life right now. <laughs> you can't comprehend how large it is <laughs> people have told me it's so large it's like the largest <laughs> they couldn't even believe it they couldn't believe it they they would say to me james you live the largest life large large like a barge they saw your life and they were just astounded by the enormity of it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it made boy. me think of uh, apparently, uh, apparently, yeah, spray, spray tan Mussolini has a uh, like a fake, it's not a Van Gogh, but it's like a fake, it's a fake something in his uh, one of his residences. And uh, but like he insists. Like even to people who are like art dealers, that this is like the genuine article. And yeah. I think maybe we mentioned it on authenticity, but it's like you know the biggest. The, you know what I mean? Like just yes. that super grandiose. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, glad. I'm glad your life is very large. Oh man, so large. You know, it's just as I say, it's just it's the largest. People tell me it's just so large. Um, well, that's because you've been having lots of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, seriously, we won't get into it. What, uh, what's the, um, speaking of large, uh, have you lifted some large weights lately? I, uh, have not. I, yeah, May was kind of like, uh, I just kind of do a couple peak times a year at this point. So, uh, how much you bench, Robbie? How much you bench? Um, all time 360, but still working on it so gosh for those who don't know those are those are the biggest plates at the gym and there's three of them and another one on the side of the bar just so people don't know if they're not accustomed to understanding uh, what the bench press is uh, you lie down you take a bar off you lower it to your chest and then you push it off yourself and yeah and at that weight uh you get a little bending in a uh in a non powerlifting bar that's true that's kind of cool when you see that happening at the gym with weights and people benching and this little bit of a tiny whip you know that's that was cool i bought the uh you know for shoulder health and blah 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 blah. there's you know these uh duffalo yeah so but people will people who don't know what they are they're like oh (laughs) <laughs> what was it? was it because you lifted so much weight? It's like eh, metal doesn't exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the video? There's a very famous uh, powerlifter named Joe Sullivan, and 
he was lifting in a rack and I think it was like 600 plus the bar literally bends as he's coming up and he can't make the like, I'll, I'll send you the video after. Okay. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like he, so there he, actually like, is material changes in the thing as he's coming up. He was, he was using like a, a lesser bar. So it, so like it. A, a, it wasn't Got quite it. as yeah, uh, yeah. well, well so done. So it held its, it's held its uh, tension, but then on the way up, it started to lose its tension. So he couldn't get it back into the, yeah. Yep. You could get one side in oh, and couldn't shit. get the other side in and like, oh my, like just, uh, uh, like, yeah. I mean, he ended up like walking out from underneath it and, but yeah, like gosh. crazy. So how far, what he, you said he was in Iraq when he was doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, not Iran? uh not <laughs> some big lifters over there though oh yeah they have a yes. big uh weightlifting uh lifting community some of the best in the world yeah yeah i got a good book back there actually on uh on uh that particular topic but we shall not go down that uh hole uh let's get on to uh identity part two um Funny enough, my notes here too. Just, just to remind you too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy that coronet uh, pizza slice next week. Got it marked Good. off, so uh, I'll report back in. Wish me luck. Good. My, my, my PR for uh, insulin resistance is three, so I'll expect. Okay, it. plus two snapples. Yeah, plus two snapples. Okay. Got it. So. <laughs> That's a lot of running beforehand to get all those cells ready to soak that up. Yeah. You should uh, <clears throat> you should have a uh, insulin shot nearby that someone can stab into your heart. All up Pulp Fiction. Okay. As, <laughs> as diabetes overtakes you, <laughs> usually, the last organ. <laughs> usually, we think of it as a progressive disease, but I think three plus two. <laughs> it, it might just happen to me within five minutes. Yeah, that will be sufficient. So <laughs> no, but I, I hope you enjoy it. So, so yeah, in terms of personal identity and fitness, so we we did a really, I mean, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the discussion last time. It was a good one. Yeah, likewise. Uh, on, uh, we, we talked more about the philosophical side of things and lots of interesting connections around personal identity, but something I've been thinking a lot more about <clears throat> based on our discussions um, is just how life helps you carve out your personal identity, you know, the more experiences you have, um, you know, we talk about, you know, constantly striving for your optimal physical potential, seeking out new experiences, teach, learn, move, create. So today's, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll do a brief recap of kind of the philosophical stuff, but I figured today could be focused a lot more on how engaging in all the things we do as um, either fitness individuals or fitness professionals can help you carve out your sense of identity and figure out what it is you want from life, who you are, how that helps you, you know, change over time. And to go back to another topic, we've talked about authenticity, be more authentic to yourself and, and things like that. Yeah. I like the word of a uh, carving out and forming self. Yeah. Cause it ties into the, we talked about words of summation and experiences and adding all that up. Um, I hope uh, one one will get to, which I just thought about as you were mentioning it was, uh, you know, I, I've said it through a different way previously, but, you know, the individual who 
who does particular behavioral or, you know, we call it lifestyle coaching, but they haven't lived a life yet. You know, there's that, I think that's the rub inside of the concept of identity and coaching in fitness. Um, Cause the coach needs to get to, you know, at least some, I think this is the area of concern, some, some level of experience and summation of these forms, right. To, to create identity in order to, you know, then teach another about, you know, all of these things. Right. Right. So this, this is the, this is the thing. This is the challenge. Yeah. It's something that is informed by book knowledge and can be helpful, but book knowledge is not sufficient. I mean, it's something philosophers have been talking about for ages, you know, um, you know, child prodigies tend to be in like, uh, math or chess or piano kind of like these um almost purely intellectual things but you know you don't uh it's it's not so much with things linked to like experience they don't you know? they don't knock tom brady out of the starting lineup exactly exactly uh i mean you know and i mean there are some interesting instances but like there's there's so much that's to be gleaned from experience and i think one of the more interesting questions that we can ask today that i think we talked about a little bit with authenticity but talking about personal identity, like, you know, to what extent does that marble statue, you know, analogy obtain for who we are as people? Like, you know, is, is it this block of marble when we're born? And then each of these different individual experiences kind of chips away at who we really are underneath, um, you know, using the CrossFit example that we used from the authenticity episode about like you and I having, you know, been part of CrossFit in that movement and then realizing like, hey, that wasn't for us. Like, was that metaphorically just more chipping away at the marble? Was that like taking a sledgehammer to the marble and starting all over? Like, mm. what happens with those things? Like, does someone gain a new identity? Is there continuity between the two? I think I think those are interesting questions around like who we become and like the ways in which, you know, books, I mean, books are awesome. We both love them. But there's something about like um, visceral experiences that, you know, really chip away and carve at who you are. So, yeah, I think about uh, the or I should ask the chipping away thing that kind of seems like or it's probably just because of top of mind from our previous conversation. But it seems to me like it's an original sin concept of like we are we are born as just this block and we have to chip away all these things to get this perfect form um you're i'm not sure if you're seeing it as the same way um or or maybe we could think about it a different way that it's it's you're you're just like you know those uh how they make clay statues well as they make clay statues they just have this like skeleton outline right and then they just start packing stuff on that could be another way of looking at it you know where you're you're adding things and adding experiences to get yeah. to, right as opposed to like taking this block assuming like you're fully formed, i.e. there's, you know, there's one controller of the whole thing and you got to chip away, right? Right. It's, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not sure if you're seeing the similarities there. or Yeah, I do. I mean, um, yeah. And just to be clear, like no original sin or any, anything like that intended by like, you know, a pure block of marble is just sometimes like a... Uh different artists talk about like they have the form and it's like underneath the marble and they're trying to carve away. I was thinking more like what you were saying last time of like one of your interesting, you know, takes on personal identity was this notion that like 
at the end of one's life like that that is when one is like the you know the most authentic self but we we can use kind of the clay uh statue um idea where it's just like adding things over time um so um yeah because that that runs through your point uh of uh Locke's concept of memories which i found fantastic right because the idea around you know memories we're, we're, we're going to use memories in our terms of like learning things and cognition uh and you know the brain you know and the body connecting those things together that if if those things quote unquote get packed and consolidated and added right and it results in a more efficient system that allows you to adapt even better to the other things that get packed on um then now you can see you know my my thoughts on it of the like molding as you grow makes sense because you're adding things to it you know um if if it's quote unquote you know good learning right or or memories that you want to that are going to be helpful for you to be autonomous right and and fully functioning and not not memories quote unquote that are traumatic example that could withhold that growth right right um yeah so anyways it's a good it's a good thought experiment for me in terms of like how i frame that and essentially how our, our audience can hear about coming up with their own method of you know the building because i think the building thing as a, as a basic principle is a really good idea right or chipping away you know either either or right. whatever you think is like the to get to the to get to that thing right yeah no I, I think both are interesting it just i mean it could it could honestly be either way but like it just made me think of like and you, you could really have this in either one whether it's the building or the chipping away but like the chipping away you think like oh there's this thing that like someone's got in their mind that they're like going to and then like the building up could be like kind of like almost like a golem where it's like you know you're building over time and it's like this <laughs> you know but i mean that's that's kind of what our lives are like yeah. you know what I mean? hey. things that we don't don't ex don't expect and like it yeah, is, yeah. It's this turn and you know yeah it uh, is got this tree branch coming out of here and you know yeah, just, it's dynamic yeah, dynamic variable that things you know we have growths <laughs> we have to yes. like cut off those growths yeah no, that's true that's true um so yeah and i think yeah the notion of uh memory and Locke's personal identity is yeah super interesting and i mean can be tied into the fitness example too like to what extent like what does it even mean to have like a fitness journey if you can't like link back you know to these other things that you've previously experienced like imagine someone who just woke up every morning and like oh i don't i don't even remember like what i did the previous day and like wow, what that's, that's like that's an awesome thought experiment as well as a movie that we could uh uh produce yeah uh, i'm not sure what you i'm not sure have you had those contemplations before i have it that on that line uh with regards to you know in in my ecosystem i mentioned it in different ways like there's not a lot of 48 year olds uh with my experience as a coach and a person in movement who say the things that i do right so it seems like it seems like when I'm trying to profess a, a certain way or an idea, uh, those individuals, you know, they almost need to go through the whole thing to figure it out for themselves. Like I could say it, but it's like it's you know what I'm saying? It falls on deaf ears because they can't like they can't connect the dots to what you were just saying, right? Of of having these all these things in place. Do you contemplate on that in terms of like the <clears throat> you know getting to the right you know getting to the right method or 
or wanting to do the the right way, but you're like, eh, I'll just I'll just allow the, the horn to grow and the and the the arm to flail over here and I'll figure it out, you know. And here I am, you know, uh, shortly uh, being over here being like, no, 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 don't let the don't let the arm flail, like it's not going to end up <laughs> in that in a good direction. If oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, I will just say, I mean. Brandon is rejecting that by just playing football every day at the gym. So that's just that that horn that horn's gonna be that tree branch is gonna be growing. He hears you. He hears it's you, a, but it's, it's a racket. It's a $120 pickleball racket. Yeah, he he he, he uh he's gonna oh, let that tree branch grow. Um no, but yeah, I mean I, I think that's a constant struggle in anyone's life about, you know, to what extent can we recognize things at a certain age and what level of experience do we need to um, be able to look back and uh, recognize certain things? And, you know, it's, it's tricky, right. Too, because that, I mean, you know, I, I do genuinely believe in your case with the experience that you have, there are things that you recognize that, you know, perhaps uh, I don't yet or, or might um, and that others don't, but then, you know, then there's the dogmatic flip side, right? Like that's, that's how progress is made by, you know, there, there are people on the flip side where it's like, that's the way it's been done. And, you know, you youngins don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's the flip side of that where like, um, age can be useful, uh, and experience can be useful, but you know, so it's, 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 it's a tricky thing. I feel like it's a tricky thing to always know, like when to, um, when to you know take that stuff at face value and when not but i mean usually usually besides just the experience it's not just pure dogmatism it's like uh you know there are principles behind it and you know connection yeah. to previous experiences and things like that so yeah 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 because I, I tie it into other things outside of our uh systems you know um like uh maybe you know you could think along this line i'm sure there's people in like um uh, the cosmos and the investigation of the cosmos for example i don't know why i thought of elon musk with regards to not because of energy but because of the electric cars or going to space it's like i'm sure there's a period of time and i'm definitely not putting my i'm not trying to put my position in terms of experience in the same area but i'm just i'm just thinking about there's people that would say things like he would say you know 20 years ago right that we're, we're gonna you know fundamentally change the uh ICE into an electric car, right? And we're going to make it cool. And then we're going to make it much more effective and efficient to go to outer space and eventually get to Mars, right? So <clears throat> I hope you're seeing what I'm saying there is like some of those things can seem in some ways dogmatic, right? But based upon his experiences or what he could see, right? He just He just wants to like go after it right away. You know, but but there's I was like, no, 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 give it give it time. Well, let, let me let me try to figure it out. We'll take 25 years to, you know, to eventually see if this thing is going to work out, et cetera. I'm not sure if you're connecting the dots on other systems and and the difference maybe there between innovation. Right. And dogmatism and how those can kind of blur be blurred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that definitely can happen. I mean, it's, you know, a famous example from uh, like philosophy and physics uh, and philosophy of science is, you know, people famously said about both quantum mechanics and uh, general relativity that it wasn't that, you know, the old guard was convinced they just died. You know, like <laughs> the new paradigm kind of 
they, they swept in. So like, you know, people were convinced that like space and time were static, immovable things that like you couldn't, you know, influence with gravity and mass. And it's like, you know, uh, not very receptive to a lot of the things uh, Einstein said or quantum mechanics said. And then, you know, that, that, that changes over time. So yeah, it's, but I see what you're saying with like, it, it, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a tricky thing sometimes with like these different paradigms and like what is an instance of dogmatism and what, what is an instance of innovation and um, how does one, how does one respect the traditions and the practices of what has come before um, while also, you know, like a Beethoven, like innovating on, you know, yeah. these types of things. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, very interesting in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with fitness and nutrition, you know, as we've kind of discussed on our progress episode, <laughs> there's not necessarily innovation to be had that's right, right? Yeah. uh like innovation is folly uh or or the innovative things yeah no the, or the innovative things are just not um are just not as prominent in terms of like the discussion around what could be innovative the only innovate the things we think are innovative are actually useless we're most most of them you know right yeah the eight so, priority is completely different it's like they're not talking about vitality they're just talking about fixing whatever is you know do, you know this will let this will get you be seen you know it's like it's not the it's not the priority you know yeah so it's an interesting example with science and technology where like literally one comes to amass more and more yeah. knowledge one goes on whereas with fitness and nutrition i mean one can gain perhaps more scientific knowledge about the mechanisms by which those occur but if we're talking about the practices themselves everything was like there it was and then everything's been kind of a, a trickle down from yes uh, in a pejorative sense yes uh, since yeah. since that kind of you know time before so yeah 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 lots of uh, thoughts on the struggles there of those two differences but Let's keep tying it into identity. Yeah. And, uh... So just as a quick refresher here, um, you know, personal identity is a famous problem within philosophy. There are kind of some mini questions that could be asked around personal identity that we talked quite a bit about last time. Like, who am I? What makes me me? What makes me me as opposed to somebody else? Um, we change over time. Um, what is it to be a person versus a non-person? Um, you know, human versus rock are famous examples. Like a rock is a thing. <clears throat> you don't owe it any rights. It has no duties. Um, but you know, what about animals? Only to be lifted while walking. Yes. And that is, that is the only proper object of lifting, by the way. That's what we owe them. We owe the, we owe them a lift, a hug and a lift, maybe a carry. Yeah. Um, yeah, any barbells or dumbbells or anything like that, that's cheating on the rock. The rock is the only proper object. Of... <laughs> that's when we really have taken up our merch game. Yeah. When uh, it's uh, like a balancing scale between a rock and a barbell. That's yeah. when we get really spicy. Yeah. Um, and then after the t-shirt, we see if we can sell the rock. The J. Fitz rock, 3,000. <laughs> Fitz felt. Hussefeld rock. Yes, like the Hussefeld stone. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, human versus rock is kind of an e easy example, but, you know, ones that have come more to the fore these days are things like, um, you know, what about animals? Are there rights and duties there that we owe animals insofar as they're sentient robots? Um, we're not quite there yet. Aliens, you know, we're not quite there yet, but I mean, conceptually we think about these things or humans, the only persons, um, persistence. We talked about this and this is going to be very relevant to our conversation today. Um, you know, the, in a lot of ways, this is really the personal identity question, uh, that typically gets asked is like, how do we persist over time? What makes, you know, Robbie or James as, babies the same as you know us at our current ages certainly we didn't have the same beliefs as we talk about our ourselves uh turnover uh you know every seven to ten years depending on who you ask um we were talking about the ship of theseus last time this interesting thought example of uh just a quick refresher for people you know imagine you have a ship or a car or an object whatever you whatever you really want and imagine over a period of time, let's say seven to 10 years, like our human body, every single plank or nail is replaced. Um, but people still, you know, use the ship or use the car on a continuous basis as these things are all being gradually replaced. Is it still the same car? And at what point does it cease to be, you know, is it when it's 75% replaced? Is it 100%? You know, wh what do we say there? Um, so it's an ancient thought experiment surrounding object identity but also personal identity too because unlike i mean i guess rocks are dynamic systems too but we're far more dynamic than a than a rock yep um so this has manifested itself in you know ancient discussions you know religious soul surviving death you know socrates and the phaedo and you know famous religions like christianity talking about soul surviving death and then modern you know technological could our consciousness be uploaded to the matrix or to the AI? Could we be cryogenically frozen? All, all these types of things. Yeah. The, uh, I was thinking about just to, just to reiterate some extra thinking that I had on that uh, with ch the change that occurs over time. And I thought, what are some of the things that, uh, that do result in change just to get people an idea that, you know, in case you think that it's just that, that personal identity that you believe you have, you know, I think it's just really important as a learning for all of us just to recognize that people change. I mean, it sounds like such a simple, sounds like like a simple thing. And I think people are afraid of saying that largely because of, you know, maybe what they see in media or in politics, right? People being wishy-washy or inconsistent. We're like, we don't want to be inconsistent, right? There's a big fear around change, but it, it's, it's you know, I think it's a, it's a fundamental fact of humans. We just do change, right? We change over time. What made me think about that is you as a baby and you now, right? Like that's actually funny, right? It's, a, it's like, but it's the same, you know what I'm saying? It's the same, that's still Robbie, but but the changes are tremendous, you know? Yeah. Um, like, do you know what you know I was giving? I was like, <laughs> baby doesn't even know what 365 pounds of bench press is, right? I uh, just picture in my head, little baby, little baby Robbie, like trying to do something. It's like, you know, so I, I wrote down that, you know, society and culture can can impact that change, right? Like how you change relative to where you are, right? You you live in Texas and then next year you live in North Korea, right? Like that's going to significantly change who you are. Um, I wonder if that's ever happened. Anyways, uh, in the incoming information can change people, 
right? Like the the learning and the and the stuff that's coming in, right? And how much of it and the flow of it, um, you know, uh, experiences, right? I mean, you know, 9-11, right? January 6th, I'm not putting in the same boat, but just like things, things actually with an experience, right? That does change it. Yeah. It does, you know, ends major. And another one I thought about was, uh, I wrote down innate developmental process, right? Like we also forget that, Remember we talked about for younger people too, like that that growth of the seven to ten years, cells dying, et cetera. Like the rate at which growth and development happens in that young age population, that's also what I mean by how it changes your identity over time, right? Not that you actually fundamentally look different, right? You mean the, the summer you go away and your voice is crack, and then you come back, you're like, oh, my name is Robbie. You know, this happens after like four months. That's an excellent impression, by the way. <laughs> That's exactly what I sounded with like. With a beard. Yeah, with a beard. Yeah. Like 12, yeah. 13. Just I want to play. And then September is like, give me the ball. <laughs> and the no, the innate, it's an innate developmental process, right? It's just, it's just gonna happen. Right. But but that changes us. That actually does change uh our identity. Yeah. You know, and our perception of our identity. So there's lots of things that I think I think maybe just being more open to the change occurring. What, what, and, but just remembering that even though change does occur, regard it as a transcendence, right? And, a, and an upgrade and an adaptation. It's not, it's not like losing pieces or it's not like, you know, uh, like really, really, I guess I'm trying to find another word. Um, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you know what I'm saying? You're adding, you're packing on the, you're packing on the things, right? You're adding. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I have a few thoughts there. One would be... Um, I thought about that because of persistence. You know, I thought about... Yeah. I mean, many people have remarked that, you know, in a lot of philo Western philosophy and religion in particular, there's kind of this um, impulse to want to, like, cling to, like, permanence and, yeah. you know, immortality and, no, it must be that. But, you know, when you pay attention to biology and things like that, it's like, no. I mean, not only is change of part of our lives it's a necessary condition for like evolution and you know like resistance right. rotation, all these all these different uh things and something i didn't i haven't mentioned i don't i don't think previously on any previous podcasts or i could be wrong but like it's certainly relevant for this another ancient discussion was between uh uh parmenides and heraclitus so heraclitus is the one who's you know famous for saying you can't step in the same river twice mm. You know, all, all is flux, all is change. There's no permanence. Uh, the permanence is the illusion. Uh, yeah. Change is the reality. And then Parmenides on the flip side saying change is the illusion. Permanence is the uh, is the reality. So mm. um, it, there's, you know, whether we're talking about objects or people, there's you know nature versus nurture. There's this, you know, eternal discussion about or this this longstanding discussion, as to say, about the extent to which you know obviously there are there are things that seem to persist over time that then have different you know properties whether it's like snow on the ground or rain on the ground but then you know there's the ground um you know and whether change is the reality the fundamental reality and it just appears as if things are persisting temporarily or whether no, there's there's some sort of something underlying everything and and change is the um is the illusion. So just kind of an interesting connection there. Well, no, it's cool to know that there's a you know large history of thought based upon 
based upon that. Um, again, it, it comes back to, you know, uh, I think how some of the thoughts that go on today are, you know, I always want to be careful of saying that, but I don't, I don't think that the thoughts today are really, anyways, the past 20 years, the thinking that could go on, right? Like on the base support of not what you just mentioned of all that history of people asking those particular questions, but think how technology and adaptation and automation has fundamentally changed the conversation of thought of, of what reality is and what is permanent. You know, it's just, man, it's, uh, I just, I just keep, I just think about, I thought about that particular person who you're saying, you know, was like hundreds of years ago, asked these questions. Right. And then, and then I was thinking, you know, if they were actually to be present today, right. And be in our culture and society with technology, how would they reframe the question? Like, or how would they word it differently based upon, you know, how they know people operate in, uh, could just think about that, right? Like a, a virtual world, like a virtual concept of right. information sharing and stuff. It's like, <laughs> I wonder if that would just break their mind or I wonder if they would just like hold up the hand. <laughs> yep. We've reduced Plato to uh, doing uh, pickleball in VR. That's what, that's, that's what he would do. He's like, this is fun. This, this is, is good fun. stuff. No, this, this is good is stuff. <laughs> it's not even him playing pickleball. It's his mind that's right. An avatar play pickleball. Uh-huh. And there's like a, it's not a drip of sweat, it's a tear. Like <laughs> tears of gratitude. Um yeah, no, I it's I think it's I think it's super interesting. I think on the one hand, you know, whereas um you know, people but like Heraclitus and Parmenides opined on kind of the ultimate nature of reality, and then you know, there's uh people who you know, thought reality was ultimately composed of atoms, which, you know, is, is, is reality fun, fundamentally discrete or continuous? Um, like now we are getting to the point where empirically we're, we're getting closer and closer to that answer mm -hmm. uh, where we can start to answer those types of questions. But you're right. Things like virtual reality and AI, you know, kind of bring up these different questions about like, what, what even is reality anymore? And, you know, is it just these signals to our brain? Is it some object out there? And yeah. Yeah. So I think I just, thank you. I think I just answered my question. There are, there are thinkers today who are investigating those things. Like they're, they're doing the, you know, uh, well, how would, uh, excuse the language was Hermides, you said? Uh, uh, so the one who says that there's all change, you can't step in the same river twice is, uh, Heraclitus. Heraclitus, the... I apologize. Yeah. Heraclitus, uh, yeah. Reading too much Iliad and trying to remember all the, uh, the Greek, uh, names, yeah. but, uh, you know, what would they do in 2022? I think that's what some of these, cause Donald Hoffman, I think is the name of the individual, as well as, uh, you may have heard some people on Joe Rogan's podcast who are, are connected to that AI and reality kind of you know, uh, area, as well as there's Dr. Paul Davies here in, in Arizona, who is uh, going down the, the larger rabbit hole on, uh, on information. He wrote a book called The Ghost in the Machine to talk about, you know, where, where that particular uh, information comes from, the origins and how we kind of deal with this current new technological place. Uh, so right. uh, as I was talking about, I appreciate that because there are people, there are thinkers who are asking those questions today. 
um, are looking around going, okay, what would, what would Socrates, for example, think about this, you know? Uh, and uh, yeah. And I think I, I agree with you that we're, we're on that stepwise process of getting, getting a little bit more clear on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're certainly not at the foundational answers, but I mean, you know, for a long time, people, you know, there was this big question that philosophers would always ask and scientists about are the fundamental elements of the universe continuous or discrete? Well, now with quantum mechanics, it seems like, oh, discrete, you know, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. we're getting closer and we're getting closer and closer with certain things that we can empirically answer, but there are other things that we don't quite have as much of an empirical grasp on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll refer back to Frank. Uh, what was that guy's name again? Frank. Uh, uh, it's the book called Fundamentals, basically, by Frank Wilczek, I think. Okay. Anyways, that explains that a little bit better. I, I mentioned it on, on our podcast before, but uh, yeah. And then the last one, just to kind of briefly mention before we launch into the you know deeper one about how we how we can practically use the things we do in fitness and fitness coaching and being fitness individuals to kind of help carve out our personal identity or build up our personal identity is the uh, what am I? What you know? So we talked about who am I. Do I persist over time? And then there's the what am I question. So I mentioned last time that most people, I guess, I don't know in non-English speaking world what the equivalent would be, but like, you know, animal, vegetable, mineral, that's a thing that most people have heard before. For um, philosophers, the question is, is it a substance? Is it a property or is it a relation? Like those are the fundamental kind of three things. Like, is it a thing? Is it a characteristic of the thing? Or is it a relation between things? Like space and time are relations between things. Uh, being red is a property of a thing and, you know, being a tree is a substance, that, that type of thing. So the main candidates here are material, immaterial or other, as we'll talk about, like you and I, unless, you know, extraordinary evidence prove otherwise, we're taking the biology route and, uh, you know, we are animals and biological organisms. We're ultimately, you know, predominantly who we are is made up of brains, but the body's important too. Um, you know, some philosophers and religious people have tried to make the argument for minds or eternal souls. Um, and this is where you get the mind body problem. How would a immaterial infinite thing connect with a finite material thing? Um, and then other views of this, uh, whether, you know, Hume or Buddhism, are we just bundles of perceptions, collections of memories that could, could exist in any form, you know, either in a, in a, uh, a computer or a brain or soul. And then, you know, for some views like Buddhism, we don't really exist at all. There, there is no, there is no self to be had. So that's just kind of a preface there to some of the stuff we discussed last time. And I figured today we could talk more practically about like, how can we, how can fitness help us better carve out who we are and our, our personal identity and build up who we are you know, greater thoughts, live a larger life, um, all those type things. So any, any, any thoughts there? Uh, not directly. I'll just be a second. Oh man. Red band conversations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, nothing, nothing more, uh, before we go into how fitness can carve out who we are in our personal identities. Okay. I, yeah. I guess the largest you know, life possible. I think the only other thing to mention from last time, last time we did get to briefly discuss the fitness and personal identity stuff. It was more the, uh, the top question about like, you know, 
people will say things like, oh, you know, we're just a brain and, you know, we got to do basic things to keep this meat sack functioning so that the brain doesn't die. And we were talking about various ways, whether it was, you know, processing trauma through things like EMDR or the gut brain connection or like the connection between like the nerves and the feet and walking to like the brain, like, no, no, these are like micronutrients, uh, blood sugar balance, inflammation, like these are, these are not just, it's not just like a tangential thing. It's not like, uh, I'm trying to think of what a good analogy would be, but it's not like you plug a, well, people don't even know what floppy disks are anymore, zip disks or something like that. But you, you take a zip disk from one thing and then put it in the other thing. And then it just automatically works the same way. It's like, mm, maybe we'll get to that point technologically, but uh, right now there's far more of a connection between the brain and the body um, than just being like a transporter. And then we talked briefly about like some practical implications for that in terms of like how we go about designing education and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, I was thinking about too, um, on that particular point of what we discussed last time, uh, by the way, I think your technological, uh, analogy is a good one. People get that, um, is, uh, you know, maybe think of it the other way too. Cause I think a lot of people may get sometimes get confused in terms of the, the language and all, you know, all, all these things are at play at one time. Um, and again, I think it's based upon a fear of, um maybe maybe thinking that they may not have you know one thing they may not have control of things so they think that if 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 it's if it's just these things at play relative to to your point you know feedback from the environment or circadian rhythm or being in the natural setting um i think there just may be some fear in that right it's like oh you know can't allow that those things just to happen can't just allow the the chemistry and biochemical stuff to just you know take part um, yeah. And, and I have nothing to offer to that besides just, just allow the idea to, uh, sit with you for a while, just, you know, keep playing it out and, and, uh, don't forget to get, you know, feedback all the time, you know, immediate feedback, right. Of, you know, some foods that you have that, you know, could be, a you know, four slabs of coronet pizza, and then, you know, ask questions 15 minutes later, right. Like, you know, how are your thoughts right now? Where, you know, are, and, and then start saying things like, oh, do you have, you know, slight depressive, anxious tendencies after that? And do you remember that you have that each time you have the four coronet, you know, slices of pizza? No, you see, my point is that then people don't, don't be like, oh, gee, you know, it must be, there must be something extraordinary about, you know, these thoughts and where they're coming from and my whole purpose. Right. <laughs> and I could see them setting you up for something. Um, and, and really it's not, it's not the pizza gods, you know, it's, uh, you just had, you know, uh, a poor choice of, of, uh, fuel for your brain. That's simply it. And that's the feedback based upon that, you know, <laughs> I wrote my honors thesis, blacked out, and then depressed <laughs> and anxious. That's, that's how I made it through college, just to <laughs> repeat cornet and <laughs> Oh, the ups and downs. Uh, but yeah, that you know, that is something I do wonder about, though. Like, I mean, in, in a semi-humorous way, but like uh, a lot of my friends and... Uh, 
grad school was kind of the norm it was out of the norm to be into like health and fitness and like yeah like you know cigarettes drinking like staying up all hours and obviously nicotine can kind of like be a stimulant and stuff like that but uh yeah but obviously in the short term and, and things like that but you know you're, you're right I, I think I think there's something to the notion where people don't like the idea of you know finitude or limitations or being somehow connected with like our animal nature like what do you mean I can't you know stay up till 3 a.m I can do whatever I want you know what I mean like there's yeah. some like rebelling against yeah. uh, allergy and yeah I mean you yeah I mean legally politically you can do whatever you want but like you know biology biology is going to hit you back whether it's now or in the future um so i i do think yeah there's kind of the societal impulse to be like you know no i can eat whatever i want or i can train however i want or i can sleep however i want it's like no we are we are as uh some philosophers have said dependent rational animals yeah Uh, because i think there's millions of examples of people who you know, didn't smoke or drink or eat Doritos and did have like a lot of contributions to society in thought and physicality, et cetera. Right. I think, I think, I think it's happened a lot. I think we just always remember those people, right. Because it was something, you know, slightly different than what we normally see for it. Um, And we've had this discussion last time of like, you'll just never know. Right. I remember the Christopher Hitchens comment, right. You'll just never know if like the potential could have been higher based upon walking as opposed to drinking or, or smoking, right. You just never know. So there's another thing inside of there though, as well, um, is I see it happening more. So today is the sneaky little versions of, uh, these pleasure seeking ways that individuals think they're getting to a higher level, right. With hallucinogenics or, uh, you know, psilocybins, you know, LSDs, marijuana to extend, you know, whatever everyone's calling different kinds of mushrooms. Everyone's calling microdosing is the language, right? Everyone's calling it a different way. Um, and what, again, they're connecting to is the same thing that uh, Christopher Hitchens would talk about, right? With regards to letting down your, I think he, the way he would describe it was, you know, having a couple of drinks just lets me like lay down or, or, you know, just kind of brings me down to a level where I can be more authentic and open and converse with individuals on a, on a deeper level. And he, of course, then connected that to like, oh, wow, I'm going to come up with these great thoughts and awesome conversation when I'm having a drink and a smoke, right? See, I'm not sure if you're seeing the through lines there with that, but there is a good argument on their behalf to say, you know, one, they get to this, what they deem as this higher order functioning that they don't think they can get there naturally, right? Without those things. And then secondly, they always have that card that they pull up, right? That's like, oh, you're just, you're just uh, preventing yourself as a purist from getting to these higher states of being. And you need to relax a little bit. You know, you got to have a drink and a smoke every now and then the pleasures of life. Right. You know, people just bring, talk about these things right here, right. especially especially here. Podcast male podcast pundits actually discuss this all the time. Right. They talk this big virtuous talk behind a screen and then they have a special episode in which they're drinking whiskey and smoking cigars. Right. As like what, you know, what happened there? You know, what was the, I'm not, and they don't even see, you know, anyways. So my whole point on that was uh, that I think I, I see why, you know, people point that out where they're like, well, I knew these, I knew this guy, right. It was, he was so intelligent and did these things. I think there'll always be that argument, you know, yeah. like, well, there's, you know, 
We just don't talk about the million other examples of people that never did that. And they did some really contributive things, right? Yeah. A whole secondary thing I hope you picked up in that is what I, I have a bit of a sensitivity to because I see it parallel to what I experienced myself and I did to a number of people of, of uh, wasting a whole lot of resources when you have the resources to waste. You know, for, for a lot of people that were 25 to 35 years of age. And I see the same thing happening with people choosing to like go real high and hot, even cognitively with like, you know, uh, perception stuff or mind orienting, changing things. They really are like pushing up past what they're capable of handling. And I think that's going to come back to haunt people. I know it did physically, and that's why I'm sensitive to it for individuals that are just striving to go to those quote unquote higher senses of of identity at a time where I believe, honestly, it can be happened naturally. I think people could uh, could contemplate, think good things, be in the sun, lift rocks, eat good food, et cetera. And I think you, if you really worked on it, you could get to some really powerful thoughts. You know, I think you and I are an example of that. I don't mind saying that, saying that or taking that as an example. Right. Um, so. So what you're saying is you don't want to have a podcast where we're like Joe and Elon and, uh, you know, puffing a joint each. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I would. Basically, I, I, and I wasn't using those example, by the way, but, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they'll always I, be I, like, I, Oh, I, you know, you gotta relax sometimes. Like, Actually, no, I don't want to be, I don't want my mind altered for six hours that I'm not in control of. They're like, oh, yeah. no, it's not mind altering. It's mind, it's mind, it's higher order mind. mind it's like, actually, no, it's not. You know, yeah. see, that's the argument, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, and I see, you know, just to add a little stoke to the fire, I see most of those people running from something. I see them running from realities. That's what, that's what I think. Interesting. And I, yeah, I thought the uh, connection between kind of the physical pushing past your limits and the mental pushing past your limits um, was an interesting one. And yeah, to go back to one of the things you said, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, go back and run the experiment, but just from a pure <laughs> evidential perspective, literally the greatest thinkers in human history by definition did not smoke and by definition did not have Doritos. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's that. No, I mean, we could, we could argue about like, I mean, consumption of alcohol and, and stuff like that, but I mean, uh, you know, go to different things for Kant or Leibniz or what have you, but like literally by definition, mm -hmm. uh, we're not, we're not smoking cigarettes and not having processed junk. And then, you know, who is the, uh, this would, this would be a thing in philosophy we would always ask. And like, I'm not sure that, I mean, there are people from the 20th century who are, you know, I mean, certainly titans but not like a kant level titan or a descartes you know it makes you wonder like who who you know is is there anyone who's ever going to be like that you know yeah kant level titan or something like that again and what are the conditions upon which i'm sure there it's multifactorial but it's just interesting to think about how you know in terms of how life and biology has shifted in terms of that that direction you know does that have some contributing factor to play in terms of uh thinking those greater thoughts mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, and I think, uh, you know, to 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 answer that question, that that's difficult. It's a difficult thing to do, and I think the the asking that question presently 
is probably too much for today. Uh, you yeah. know, can there be a con for today? I think it's probably going to skew us too far from identity thing, but a very good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, more in line with kind of what we were, you know, discussing today with personal identity is, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like we are finite beings. So do you have any thoughts on the extent to which, you know, striving for our optimal physical potential on a regular basis can help us define who we are and obvious asterisk there, like keeping, I think everyone listening to this knows what we're talking about when we say that it's not like doing Murph, it's not doing Murph every day. It's like going slightly beyond. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, you, well, you just worded it out there, but I think, I think it's those, uh, the learning that's attained from the challenges that we partake in physically, um, is, is sometimes just forgotten about or washed over, right? I think that connection to people doing physical challenges and then learning about that process of coming up with the challenge, trying the challenge, uh, failing or succeeding, or even defining what the top end of that challenge was, and then debriefing on that challenge. I think that simple process there uh, can only lead to right? An upgrade in your, in your potential, you know, consistently. And if you, uh, like your point within this area zone of capabilities, if you consistently do that, I can't see any other, uh, like I can't see any other better way for someone to kind of figure out who they truly are, um, on the deepest level, um, by, by, uh, by, you know, by not participating in these constant, physical challenges it's almost like a it's almost like a constant assessment of where you are at the present moment and what you're capable of doing and that essentially gives you awesome feedback right and just imagine over time if that feedback gets more refined and more tightly connected um etc you know it just become tighter and tighter and tighter and then you put together 60 70 years of that and I think you have someone who, you know, quote unquote, really knows themselves. Yeah, really knows themselves. Yeah, and it deeply connects you to your biology, to, you know, fellow humans, um, certain objective facts like no yeah, natural. And you can't lift 365 pounds. Well, yeah, I mean, no, no, no natural human is going to back squat 2000 pounds. I mean, just to take an extraordinary example or like yeah. not going to run a mile in a minute. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like there are these limits. I can of... hear the future giggles, by the way, a hundred years, people listening to the podcast, like, do you hear what he just said? I scraped the, uh, yeah, he said no human will ever do 2000 pounds squat. Yeah. They forgot about like them. Yeah. Us shaving off our legs and thruster pods or whatever they're the using. Liver, 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 liver king that does it in a hundred. Oh years. yeah. Yeah. Eight pounds of liver a day at all. Mm-hmm. We we just never realized it that copper toxicity and vitamin A toxicity that's the way to get to two thousand pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, Everyone's color is different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you know how that connects you to, yeah, I mean, just these objective finite things um, that, um, yeah, are progressively and progressively more difficult that present challenges for you and you know going back to lock in the memory criterion i mean it's 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 super interesting have you ever heard of the movie like 50 first dates it's with drew barrymore yes. and okay. yes. yeah. 
it, the premise of it is she like wakes up each day and doesn't yeah. remember like yeah. you know but speaking of memory like the whole necessary condition of this whole journey you're talking about is that like you remember what you've done and like you know the challenge for the next day and like you can see where does where does this sit in relation to where i was am i on the peaking upswing am i at the peaking top am i you know let's say someone can do a uh you know the best they could ever do is like a seven minute mile like and now i'm just trying to like resist entropy and like keep that as close as i can to yeah yeah yeah, and I thought about two things in there as I was caught on Drew Barrymore. I, I just think she, like, at, at those times in her younger years, she was, like, the most striking, beautiful thing on the, on the planet. That was my perspective of it. I'm not sure if you thought the same way. She was just, like, so strikingly beautiful. Um, it makes me go back to our conversation of, like, well, what is beauty, right? And if you could spot it, and if a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people thought that with Drew Barrymore. But, uh, and so... Uh, but I also thought about the, uh, you know, the growing, peaking and resisting phases of potential, right? And, uh, alongside this of how many times, you know, how many times you got to ask yourself, where, where, where am I in that, in that area, right? So you could say to yourself, you know, well, how many experiences do I have thus far? Or how many experiences can I look forward to? And, and what are the possible adaptations that will occur at each area, right? So if someone's 16 listening in versus someone who's 72 and listening in, right? Just as a thought experiment, their adaptations, their perceptions, their ability to grow and adapt, their ability to do the physical challenges and learn about themselves, et cetera. You see, that's all framed based upon where they are. To your point, just say it the same way. The biological, chronological ages have a big part to play with what you have in front of you for the challenges that you're going to partake in that's going to lead you to a better version of yourself yeah big part yeah a really big part and um another thing i was thinking of and again i don't want to it shouldn't come off as like murph or king kong but just something about running into friction like you know and tell me if you agree with this or disagree or think there's a better way to think about it but i i think a lot of our best learning experiences even though they really really suck in the moment are uh you know metaphorical slaps in the face of one sort or another do you know what i mean like rationally there are things that we recognize about oh you know uh people can act in such and such a way let's say and then you run into that in a uh business partnership or relationship or what have you or um you know you have an expectation about what your career is going to look like and then do you know what i mean like these yeah. these different these different things like those those are the things that really like carve out or build up or whatever metaphor you want to use there build up who we are in very 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 significant ways and i think a lot of the reason they do that ties back with like fitness is friction like you had this expectation of like what was going to happen and then like you know you just got smacked in the face metaphorically with with uh, the opposite and that caused you know some learning yeah, I would. Uh, I generally like uh, the the analogy of slapping people's thoughts in the face, <laughs> not necessarily always the uh, the analogy of slapping their physicality in the face. Because uh, right. on the point of the slap, my question would be, you know, well, it depends upon the intensity of the slap, right? And I, I've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's the whole idea of, you know, uh, sure, a shakeup and a stress to the organism is important. But it can't be so much of a shakeup that it creates the organism to create these compensatory defense mechanisms of the future slap to the face. Right. So 
the uh, and a, a slap to the face is not going to run through this as an analogy. So just think about it for, you know, and I'm not sure if that's what you're because you preempted by saying Murph or Gorilla or King Kong, sorry, um, et cetera, that, uh, yeah, it's, you know, because this, this is the big argument, right, for uh, the, I would call it the lower order intelligentsia inside of CrossFit is like, oh, you need to have, you need to have that intensity because it's going to like, you know, give you an awesome physical sacrifice workout and that and your, and how you deal with it. And, you know, and you getting up off the floor after, you I mean, that's what creates good character and that's what gets us stronger. And, and they, they, and then as I, as I know, as a fact, when you actually play that out with millions of humans after 10 years, they actually have not progressed. They have actually gone backwards in most cases. Why? Because you forgot that it has to be uniquely individualized and prescribed based upon their current capabilities, right? So, so the, here we're, here we're arguing over, and I'll just put it in numbers. If someone has a 75 capability, right? In the workout, yeah. Tr try to try to touch 76 and like flirt with 77. You don't go to 96, right? And people think, oh, it's the 96, i.e., I'm not sure that's where you're going, but the slap in the face, that's what fundamentally like changes people. I don't disagree with the fact that getting slapped in the face certainly makes you stand up and like, whoa, just a second here now, you know, got to be aware of what's going on. But in the physical sense, especially in physical challenges, because of the bad, the bad behaviors that are embedded inside of that, plus how the person now compensates, right? And you know, the whole trick that I use on this one to go forward with it is like, what does that person come back and Thursday do this time? You better show up early and foam roll and don't forget to have a little bit more coffee before. Like these are just examples of like, oh, so that's how you're going to create a compensation now to getting slapped in the face. You see, it's a defense mechanism that they're creating, which actually lowers resilience. So, you know, we, we could be saying the same thing but because I am agreeing with the fact that, yeah, slap in the face fundamentally changes people's perspectives. But just be careful that it's not creating like compensation, you know. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I think a couple of things there. I mean, one, we're obviously in agreement about just the physical side of things and how, you know, should be pushing your capabilities a little bit each, each time and things like Murph and King Kong are um, not well-intentioned. I guess what I was referencing more was like from a mental and emotional perspective, as we go through life, um, it's those slaps in the face that we actually, you, I mean, to, to take the point against and against the people in, in CrossFit kind of saying this, like, you, you almost you can't design them right you know what i mean like they're they're they are precisely slaps in the face because they are unexpected whether you know um it's like a career path you thought you were going to go down or you know a person who you thought you're trusted or you know these different things that kind of um kind of knock you on your side um provide these different learning experiences in the mental emotional and psychological realm what i was connecting that to was um part of the reason those can provide so much learning is because you bump up against friction. Now to your point, And I mean, I, I completely agree, obviously in the physical realm, the desire to replicate this, you know, day after day after day doesn't work a, because a lot of these things can't be planned for and B because, you know, our physical nature is finite and you're just running yourself into the ground. Like imagine if you had to deal with like 
you know, betrayal every single day or like not getting your, you know, the profession yeah. that you want or something like yeah. that. Every day. It's like, we, we don't have the resilience to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so that, that was the connection I was yeah, yeah. drawing. That's great. That's the word I wrote down as well. Cognitive resilience and repertoires need to be taken into consideration, right? Like what, 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 what were your, you know, uh, cognitive capabilities relative get to getting slapped, right? How did you perceive that? How did you perceive the slap, right? Maybe you perceive the slap as like, oh, gee, that's a wake up call. Or maybe you perceive the slap as like, holy shit, right? Like maybe everything is wrong, you know, or everything was wrong, you know? So yeah, the the level of resilience of each of those people getting the slap in the face, it, it is important, but there's no doubt. There's no doubt that it does uh, shock the system. Yeah. And I think we can also admit kind of like we were talking about last time that there can be asymmetries between the physical and the cognitive realm. So you were referencing yes. the fact that, well, one of the ways to sharpen the cognitive stone or there's the, the cognitive sword, so to speak, is to, you know, this position in that position, this position in that position, you know, back and forth, kind of in a dialectical fashion, whereas like, the way to sharpen the physical is not to, you know, um, Murph and then whiskey, and then, you know, Murph and then psilocybin. And you, you know, what I mean, like, yeah, yeah. basically going narcissism so we, hedonism narcissism he is <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly exactly so we we can admit that there are asymmetries between these different uh these different realms yeah so. but i think they will to lead into our other areas of uh of investigation for today um i think i think there will be i think there's that question like will that lead to better thoughts right these physical challenges of uh and how you deal with those those thoughts uh you know and and what they're what they're telling you about yourself like can that lead to a you know a stronger identity over time i think that's a you know probably saying it the same way but i think it's a good good question to keep asking i do believe it does like i believe that um if people partake for a long enough period of time with you know as best as possible and what we describe as real food and you know physical challenges every day and abiding by these things of learning, right? Learning about, you know, how you're connected to the environment, learning about, you know, things based upon your trajectory, right? I think people will get there where they're like, wow, over time, my thoughts are more elongated. I have more depth and breadth to how long I can do it, um, you know? And if we go back and ask, well, how did that come to be for that person? It's not only their values, right? And their, or their priorities and what's important to them, it's because they have that base support of constant physical challenges and eating real food and having this idea of learning every day. Right. So I, I do think that that could be, um, yeah, I, I, you know, to answer the question that's in there, I really think that uh, it could be to use your word integrated as that physical practice leading to all these uh, great thoughts. Yeah. Um, another thing I was thinking of that, you know, goes back to the BLGs and just, you know, physic physicality and stuff like that, that I've been thinking about a lot and talking with Brandon about is um, this notion of like establishing consistency and rhythm with one's life and how that taps into like one's values and who one is. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've encountered this with clients to the clients for whom, uh, whether it's because of their childhood or what have you, like chaos is peace. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? The mm -hmm. people who, um, you know, they go to bed at 8 p.m. one night and then 2 a.m. the next. And they're like, yeah. well, it's just just how I am. Uh, but you you kind of know it's like it's running from something. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I was just thinking about that in relation to like defining who one is and getting just 
you know, do you even have rhythm? Like, do you even like uh, answer your emails on time? Do you wake up at the same time every morning? Do you yeah. have three, three meals a day? Like just, you know, do you engage in physical practice? Like uh, all these things that, um, you know, and for any human, there's obviously going to be a balance between um, maybe monotony would be kind of the pejorative term on the one end and then like just complete chaos on the other end. But um you know, I think clearer thoughts and better life and deeper values. You know, Aristotle will sometimes talk about how on these scales between the two vices, it's not perfectly balanced for humans. It's, it's maybe a little bit closer towards one than the other because we have um, proclivities towards one. So for example, uh, you know, pleasure versus pain um, or seeking out pleasure versus seeking out pain. Well, humans are more likely to seek out pleasure. So we've got to be a little bit closer to this side because so same, same thing here with kind of the, um, you know, um, you know, maybe it's a bit more towards that rhythm and consistency side for optimal, you know, thoughts in life. So didn't know if you had any thoughts. Yeah, for sure. I, I just love the way that that's worded. I, I saw it a lot, you know, of, you know, I, I would just call it words like, you know, uh, I would say to the person, you know, just it's just based upon your nature and temperament to want to be over here, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, doesn't it make sense that you need to like put in implications inside of your lifestyle that balance that out? And they get that. They're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Um, the one area of the, the you know, it's, it's funny, I could create a book basically on like, I'd say for sure, at least 20 to 30 anecdotes of this exact situation of an avatar of a person, right? Uh, of how it's so hard to help them identify that they're attaching themselves to the chaos as purpose. Yeah. Like it's, it it's, uh, but, but, and I haven't had tremendous success with it, just to be honest, but there has been some. And in some cases where there has been success, it's me being more knowledgeable about what the concept of, you know, um, some some folks today call it uh, anti-fragility methods or like the, so it's, it's the ability to, for those people and me as well, to recognize some people actually can, quote unquote, grow when, you know, they, they have these chaotic situations that either through physical manifestations or cognition and lifestyle, right, they they are all of it together, they actually can grow. And then when you put them and you say, oh, balance things by coming over here, it's it's uh, it feels, yeah, to use your word, monotonous to them. Now, the thing is, though, is when you, you know, you scrape, you look at all the blueprints and all the prescriptions and all the base support of all those people that are doing that, guess what? <laughs> they still honor the BLGs. You see that? So, so inside of those things, that's that's where I would agree with you, I think, in what you were saying is that these people who have that chaos and are and are jumping on it and they feel that that's the whole dramatic purpose. Yeah, you you do need to, like, edge them closer and closer to some aspects of rhythm and consistency in their lifestyle. Some. Right. And I say I say that with that tone because you got to, like, stepwise, just slowly introduce some of those pieces to get them to then get feedback on it going, Oh, wow. You know, I, uh, when I, you know, this, this over here, this chaos, it just went, it went too hard and too hot and too long. And that's why I'm feeling the way I do right now. And if they connect to that right now, you got them going, right. You got them moving in a direction that's going to bring them back to, to your point, you know, to one side 
of the continuum and seeing that that uh, they need to have those basics in place of some semblance of it. Um, and then you, and then they're also saying, oh, wow, I don't need to give up the chaos. No, I mean, it's just chaos is going to be language in a different way, right? Like maybe, maybe I'll give you, like we know how to do, uh, I think you know how to do that. We can provide someone with physical challenges that look like chaos, right? And people are like, oh, cool, chaos. Yeah. When really it's not, if you know what I mean, right? It's not, but it, it's what they perceive it as chaos. So who cares, you know, go for it, perform that. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there's a lot of truth in that. But I, yeah, I think you know, and obviously there's going to be a spectrum of individuals and biology and things like that. But there there is an element of um, you know, again, going back to like, does one accept biology or does one not? Like, there are certain there are certain finite aspects to who we are. You know, in terms of uh, when we're supposed to sleep, when we're supposed to eat, when we're supposed to physically express, get sun exposure, all those different things, and how those relate to like who we are and what we can do with our lives and like, you know, be the best version of ourselves. And yes. Like yes. So. Yeah. Um, obviously not everyone listening to this is a coach, but I thought one thing we could talk about is obviously the fitness coaching experience and whether one is a client or a coach, just talking about how that can help shape one's identity, having those conversations with clients or being a client, having a conversation with a coach like how you can um, become, you know, get a better idea of like who you are as a person as a result of those um, interactions. Don't know if you had any thoughts one way or another. Well, yeah, yeah. It, well, it'll be repetitive from the out outset. Uh, what I mentioned, uh, what I wanted to get here, it's I always I always think the rub at this point is who is the coach, right? Does the coach have experiences? How young is the coach? How experienced is the coach? Are they a novice apprentice? Or are they a grandmaster? You know, that has a lot, lot part to play with regards to your previous, you know, uh, wording on book knowledge versus, you know, just gained knowledge from experiences. Um, and this is really, I think, the, the largest, the largest area of conversation within this, right, is, is that the first thing that needs to happen is up front, the coach needs to say, well, where am I in my life and my life experiences, right? Uh, are you are you aware of the fact that you you may not know everything, right? Right from the outset, you know? Um, are you aware of the fact that you're still gonna learn things? You know, are you aware of the fact that you still have like lots of things as your own experiences, you know, to get to before you could say, oh, I'm pretty convicted on you know, uh, the fact that when you get to 48, you can't make a whole bunch of babies, you know, <laughs> um, these things that like get to get to solidify, quote unquote, helping a coach coach a client on forming their best identity. Right. So I'm not sure if you feel that's one of the big rubs inside of there as well in, in the current. Yeah. Right. Because we're yeah. not all. We're not all, you know, we don't, uh, this is another funny proposition or, or, or thought experiment besides the, uh, ah sound that comes out every morning is, uh, you know, the, in the future, maybe, maybe you gotta, you can only be a fitness coach if you're 60, like you can only enter into fitness coaching when you're 60 years of age, you know, yeah. and it doesn't mean that other things don't happen up to that in point in time. Right. But it's like, no, it's the elders that are the ones that are going to tell us like, you know, you know, how to, how to weave this and don't forget you should experience this. And all oh, of these are the things that let me tell you, you know, uh, 
you, 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 you know, it should be obvious, you know, I'm just trying to think of me at 60, people be like, oh, geez, you know, how do you keep those wonderful biceps at 60 years of age? Like, well, well, listen up, young, young grasshoppers. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the big rub inside of that is, is the coach's own experiences and what they can offer to that conversation. This doesn't mean, of course, that you can't, because uh, I wrote down their uh, relationships, right? I think being in a relationship with a client um, on a, on a let's use our words, an, a truly authentic level where there's care, there's true care involved. I think that some sometimes can trump what the coach knows about life experiences because the coach and client can work this back and forth if you're getting me on like how do we form our identities together we're in this game right you know let's let's giggle at it but also let's work on each other as a reflection back and forth you know what i'm saying i think yeah. there's some space in there with a truly good relationship that a to, to, to put it into stark terms a coach can be 25 with with three years of experience and offer a tremendous amount to a person who's 42, three kids, trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their life and their identity. There's lots you can offer. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with a lot in there. Uh, to go back to one point real quick, and then uh, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Hillary Swank is pregnant with twins at 48. So that completely disproves any point you had about about biology. Yeah, I was actually Just, speaking about- That one counterexample, I, I, I know. But uh, this, this is what people do these days. No. No, uh, like one one, like a, one one counter example, one counter example, James. That's yeah. all it takes. Not not uh, the whole of biology. Um, maybe maybe yeah, like you said, maybe I should have revised the uh, two thousand pound squad or the one minute mile. We'll see what happens in the future. But uh, I digress for a silly uh, tangent. Um, no, I I thought that was a really good point, and you know, um, the extent to which the coach learns more about their identity has to be indexed to like where they are at in their life. And I think it was, there was another episode where you were bringing up, um, I think it was one of our first like science and fitness ones, where it was like, we want to make these broad statements like, Oh, if you do, uh, you know, a leg press or something like that, you'll get stronger. Well, not if you've been doing it for 30 years. Um, so sa same thing here where, um, you have to, who, who is the coach? We have to time index that. That's and right to where they are in their life and maybe you know one coach who's been you know um coaching for 30 years and who has that 98 percent of like true them yep. you know they're gonna get a, a different experience than the person who's at 45 percent yeah true them. and you know same thing with the uh client presumably if they've been engaged and i mean presumably in the ideal journey they are not yes. uh, with the coach for 30 years they're, they're on their own fitness journey but yeah the, the extent to which a fitness experience is teaching them something um presumably decreases over time i mean yeah presumably yeah. decreases over yeah. time yeah yes yeah, yeah. no i'm glad you brought that up in terms of modern times right because in modern times it happens a lot there's that 30-year experience of that person who is now into fitness be like what do i do now right and now you got to talk about things like resisting entropy and like, you know, regression, aerobic regressionism, all these things that, you know, the, the person may not understand, right? I'm supposed to get stronger and bigger, right? It's like, well, no, let's, let's talk about that. And then the coach has to say, I'm only 25. Am I capable of getting into that identity formation with that person? Right? right. And I think you are, if you just be authentic, right? Be like, listen, I'm still growing. My brain is not at, at its full top end. You know, I've, I've only had two years of experience. But I do know this, I'm, I, I do know these principles at place, right? 
you're 63. You've got 30 years of experience. You're not, you're not going to lift 50 pounds more in six weeks. Like if we, we need to stop here and have that discussion, that's fine. But let's, let's, let's chat on, I was talking with the person with 30 years experience. No yeah, yeah, no yeah. yeah. You get my point. So yeah. 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 I mean, depending on where one places the, uh, inflection point and i'm sure it depends depending on strength or aerobic or but like depending on where one places the inflection point from uh peaking to resisting entropy whether you know if it's say it's 35 and we live 80 years we spend more time resisting entropy than we do building and peaking there you're you're setting up uh the new learn rx course that i got coming down so that's our product sponsor placement for today just secretly pushed in there it's called uh, resisting entropy, where I will discuss these things. And one of those points specifically that you just pointed out of this robust amount of time that we have of preventing the slide, which is far more in time that's higher as opposed to uh, peaking and showing off our guns and uh, trying to mate and showing off all these ornaments and symbols. Yeah. Um, can our like underground red band... Um one of our red band t-shirts be like, you will get weaker, deal with it. Or you will get weaker, fuck face or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the latter is just for you and I, for this show. The former is for public. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something along the lines of, uh, uh, just don't get too weak. <laughs> for anyone who made it to that point. Don't get too yeah. short. <laughs> For anyone who made it to that point in the episode, enter that code at checkout for a free t-shirt. <laughs> you can name the, uh, the secret. You're going to get the e-bikes are sad t-shirt as a prize. Yeah, for free. Yeah. Which is on TeePublic, by the way. Yes. Check it out. Yeah. TeePublic for our pickleball and our uh, e-bike shirts and soon to be more. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's super interesting to, uh, I mean, I hadn't even quite framed it that way but yeah the you know you are potentially although it's interesting to discuss you know if you if you engage in different fitness endeavors or if you you know try to branch out to maybe other things but yeah i mean presumably the more and more experience you have the closer you are to like who you are in, in terms of personal identity the, the less you really are learning from physical experience the the longer you go with it which is yeah. an interesting thing and yeah or or maybe you're just you know, learning about different versions of that sustaining and consistency and rhythm and, you know, all the other things, uh, uh, which I will discuss in the Learner X program, just to whet everyone's appetite for that variety, uh, the psychological, um, sociological, cognitive implications in resisting entropy that people, you know, and I put that against the, um, you know, the big, big hit on uh, all this effort that we place inside of cognition today, right? Against the physicality or right. away from physicality. And uh, we, we, we are seemingly thinking that, oh, that's going to be the answer at these times when our cognitive functions are supposed to be going down. And I'm going to make the point that actually, no, it's the opposite. You need to honor the aspect of where you are and your capabilities for physicality. But um, there's lots of things cognitively and, and deeper levels of cognition that you could quote unquote improve upon inefficiency and things like that for the rest of your life just to get people inspired about the fact that it's not all a downhill slide you know there's uh, lots of good stuff in there yeah and i mean in you know i i'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with this and i'm sure you know 
we've obviously run into this too. I mean, whether it's people like Oliver Sacks or, you know, people writing a kind of, you know, these, these later times in life, they, they feel the most themselves. They have come to recognize and reflect on their lives. You know, so thinking about that, that connection between the two of like the resisting entropy phase of one's life physically, but also that coinciding um, very closely with, a lot of people feeling like they are their truest selves. They don't, they're not beholden to the, you know, whims of society or friends or, you know, pr pressures and things like that. And like becoming their truest, most authentic selves, just kind of an interesting connection that made me think yes. of as we're going on. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to read, read up, read me some Oliver Sacks. Um, yeah. I think the, the older we get the, uh, the fucks given, goes goes down yeah generally um yeah any other any other thoughts or no this the last point there was the one that i i knew would be the uh like the interesting thing in that connection because we just think about the you know just just the human themselves right and around identity i think we discussed that at length and then when you pull into the picture well how about this whole formation of identity between a coach and a client I think there's there's lots to discuss in there, and I think one of the you know the big issues is is that the technical capabilities and the competencies uh, and the experience of the coach, right? And that has a big part to play with the help and the formation of another person inside that fitness relationship. Um, so I think we we did discuss that, and that's why I was excited to to get into today. Yeah, I think the only other thing I was going to mention briefly is just. Um you know, going back to this Lockean idea of like memory constituting who we are and consciousness and being able to connect the pieces of our lives, being constitutive of who we are as a person, uh, you know, and things like Alzheimer's and other things, potentially quite literally taking that away. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting to think about, um, you know, and there, and there are problems with the memory criterion of personal identity and their challenges, but like Overall, I mean, it's not a it's not a bad first pass, and it's a, it's a legit contender, but it makes you think about, um, you know, since it is an objective fact that you know, again, nutrient density, blood sugar balance, minimizing inflammation, digestive health, like all those things are necessary conditions for keeping this you know thing going. Like it does make one think, um, regardless of your stories, by the way, of that one guy at ninety five who. Uh still drinks and smokes all day and is like sharp as a tack, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also who grew up in an epigenetic environment where like his parents were walking every day and like they only ate, you know, Touché. real whole food and, you know, I mean? stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I digress, but yeah, I mean, but that, that definitely is part of the, the, but, you know, just thinking about like, again, you and I are taking this biological framework as you know foundational and if we're taking that as foundational and then talking about who our identity you know what our identity consists in and we're talking about memory and consciousness and being able to connect this story the biology is very much linked to this so in a, in a very deep and profound way you continuing to be you um, and not ceasing to be you before you physically pass away um is very much very much like not tangentially like very much linked to uh how you live your life physically so yeah and how you live it at uh, the word we use uh optimally you know yeah the highest potential right. yes yeah, it's, it's it's it is there's huge links to that 
And again, it'll bring it brings us back to the age-old philosophical question we have amongst all of our podcasts is, is uh, you know, how to get people to realize those that inspiration around connecting to that, you know, uh, will always it'll be the through line here the whole time, right? Coming up with ways of, and if it happens through discussion and asking questions like this, then everyone will be better off for it. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Thanks for the day. I learned, uh, learned actually like a snippet on top of, you know, what we discussed last time that helped me, uh, form that I got some Oliver Sachs uh, investigation to do. I, uh, um, you know, I, I, I love the re, investigation of how we you know we do change as humans over time and the feelings that people have around change of our identity right and the fears around that but really they're just adaptations and adjustments you know i see uh, the way i spoke it out it made me just remember how important it is to mention it that way you know and to be understanding of it everyone's fears around that you know i don't want to change my identity it's like well you're not going to you know, it's actually an adaptation and you're going to grow and it's going to become more efficient. It's going to become better. Right. Um, so I think that was good for me anyways, to talk out as well as a review uh, from you on, uh, um, you know, substance, property and relations. That's a key. Those are key terms for me that I'm not sure if anyone took away, but that uh, that really helps me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad those were helpful. Yeah. And I, I mean, there are a whole bunch of uh things with regard I mean just even the the connection with like you know I mean I I knew the one and I knew the other but hadn't connected them like the the entropy physical part of our lives connecting coinciding quite frequently with like us becoming our most authentic selves and that this is the vast majority of of uh our lives and um you know, thinking about indexing, you know, the time and stage of life of a coach to how much they're uh, learning. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised in the, um, it's 50% kind of your of lives, basically. That's what I get to in the LearnRx. But in most cases, you know, it's 50%. That gives yeah. some mathematical distributions as to how that changes for most, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming if you, you know, take averages, 80, top 80, reproductive capabilities. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, 80, 40, so something to that effect. Um, yeah, no, I can see that. Um, but yeah, and then it's just also interesting, at least uh, thinking for me philosophically, like in the personal identity literature, I don't, and maybe maybe there's, obviously I haven't read the entire personal identity literature, but just thinking about how I don't remember seeing too much on this connection between like the physical body and how much it influences like our consciousness and perceptions and connection to memory and like how it's just integral yeah. being us. Yeah. Well, that may be, I think it's probably there, but you got to read between the lines. Probably that's like, I talked about, remember I discussed those individuals who, who just like you hear it in their autobiography or their healing or et cetera. I sent you the Kierkegaard comment, right? It's like, you, you know, I think a lot of people could just read through that. Oh, yeah. It's like that that's such powerful information right there. Yeah. Right? The balancing of the lifestyle and in the things we talk about in basics. For physical challenges and opening the mind and you know i'll read uh, from it uh, uh i have walked myself into my best thoughts right like gosh that's so powerful and deep right yeah yeah profound yeah super profound yeah and i i, I love that i mean i'd obviously heard about 
Kant and walking and you know I'd mentioned the peripatetics but I hadn't heard the Kierkegaard quote so I really like that yeah yeah super great uh great episode thanks again for setting yeah, it up and uh yeah, we'll see you. everyone uh, next time all right bye-bye